Raymond was staying with me throughout the choir. We grew up together, and uh, Raymond's like now like seven foot tall, and like he's a totally beautiful looking man. Um, but he, he couldn't really sing very well at the time, and he, I thought I could sing much better than him. But he would always get my fucking roles, you know, because he's so good, so good looking, you know. Um, yeah, and at that point, I kind of was like, yeah, but fuck, you know, I can't be doing this anymore. I can't be like, can't be like, you know, working for anybody else. I don't think. That was musician Andrew St. James. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. In this episode, Andrew shares the story of how his birth mother brought him to San Francisco to be adopted. He tells us about his San Francisco family, mom Carol and dad Nathan, and their respective moves to the city. Andrew grew up mostly in the sunset going to private schools. His experiences at urban high school played a formative role in the adult he eventually became, and not in the way you might think. Here's Andrew. So let me begin here. So I, um, my, I was adopted uh, and was uh, my birth mother had chosen that she wanted to drop me off in, in San Francisco. She lived in Chicago. Um, she was uh, her and my my birth father were tour caterers for the Rolling Stones. Okay, um, and uh, that's where you got it. He, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> but the, uh, but she, yeah, she was married and she wasn't, and I guess they had some sort of thing going on, and she got pregnant and wanted to uh, have me and adopt me, and um, which I appreciate. <laughs> uh, so it goes. But the, um, uh, anywho, I, uh, yeah, she wanted to drop me off in Northern California for whatever reason, and um, she uh, threw kind of an adopt, adoption program agency uh, met a couple different families here and met my parents who raised me, uh, Nathan and Carol. And uh, they, uh, yeah, successfully adopted me. <laughs> so that was, okay. that was positive. Um, Nathan uh, Nathan was fr- is from New York City and uh, Carol is from Los Angeles. Do you know what brought them out here? Because I feel like um, yeah. th- because they raised you, there's going to be some... Yeah, yeah. Parental influence. So yeah, so you know my uh, so my mom moved here. They're both born in '52. So when I was growing up, they were older parents in comparison to a lot of people that I was growing up around. Um, I was worried your parents would be my age, but it's cool. (laughs) A couple years older. Yeah. So uh, Carol moved here in 1971. Um, She had been married at 19. Uh, in Los Angeles, kind of living the hippie life world. And then they, um, I think her husband at the time worked for NASA or something. And they moved up to the Bay Area to, I think, for his job. But my mom in the 80s, or sorry, in the early 70s became a, um, she became a, a, one of the first, like, like Gap became a thing. So yes. She was, like a, she was a manager of a Gap store in okay. um, downtown. Oh, wow. Uh, and then from that, she became, she started doing, uh, she worked for what now is, I guess, Live 105 or Alt 105. Um, it, it as just a, stopped become, being Live 105, That's right. right? Now it's, yeah, just now it's, Dave or something? Now it's just some weird thing. Yeah, right. No, now no one knows. Playoff. Yeah, corporate consolidation. Just turn it off. <laughs> but, yeah, oof. Uh, but, and but in five years, we'll be like, it's the best radio station ever. You'll be like, man, like, yeah, we're back to radio now, dude. <laughs> we are, that's all we're listening to now, dude. That's it. The um, But, uh, yeah, my mom uh, started buying advertisement for uh, what I think was KMEL at the time okay. um, in the mid-'70s. So she okay. like, worked the last waltz and shit. She, oh, like, wow. Um, and, uh, the so story. she was pretty hip. Um, she, I, uh, she, I'm not sure if or she would say that. I, you know, she's very, she's, um, yeah. 
Yeah. Because that's back when the like you know? the Gap had like the round letter logo. Like it, the Gap was cool. Oh, for sure. No, absolutely. I think um, it's kind of hard to say, especially um, before it left the city. Before they started. But I even rem- I grew up in Texas and I remember remember the Gap store in the early eighties right. at the mall was fucking. I was like, this is place is rad. Anyway, <laughs> like it's way way before my couple my, to my two thousand seven consciousness <laughs> yeah. beginning. The um, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, my mom was involved in all sorts of stuff for like you know a long time, and I uh, that predated me, and I think it predated my dad too. Okay, uh, and so my father um, was uh, uh, born in Brooklyn, parents Holocaust survivors. Um, oh, and uh, uh, he. He was married in New York, and then he mm. uh, that didn't work out very well, and so he rode a motorcycle over uh, to um, so many of to those San Francisco. Stories. There are so yeah. not and, to like discount no, how no, amazing that in fact that's the insane. opposite. That's totally insane. dude was like thirty something maybe, and was like, yeah, fucking, I'm gonna go, you know. I love it. And uh, yeah, and, and um, yeah, he moved to San Francisco, and I guess it was seventy eight. He first came, and then he came in nineteen eighty. And he uh, had been working at Bellevue as like a hospital person, so he worked in worked in uh, like hospital administration in New York. Um, and then he was like, "Fuck that! I'm kind of done with that." And he and his buddies, um, including some very funny characters uh, who ended up doing all sorts of shit, uh, started a, f- a movie rental uh, company called Captain Video. Okay. So Captain Video was, uh, I believe, as far as I'm told, was like one of the first like movie rental places when VHS and shit was like starting to become more available to people. When they beat out Beta, right? Yes, yes. So You've heard I of don't know. I've no, no fucking okay. clue what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. The, uh, yeah, so Do you remember Blu-ray versus whatever the other I, one I remember, was? I remember. Yeah. The, I remember the Blu-ray. It was yeah. like that, where it was like some people had Beta, some people had you know what I'm talking about VHS, and then it was like <laughs> now Beta. Now like the nerds on the hill have that. Right. No. Sure. Because no one sells it anymore. So. So Captain Video was like. So Captain one of the Video fir- was one of those things. It's funny you say that because it's like the, apparently when they first started, the only people who had like systems to play the shit were like either entertainers or like people who were promoting stuff. Like there's like Bill Graham and like Santana and, mm-hmm, and all these people mm-hmm. would like come in, and the only things they had uh, in the beginning were like like Bruce Lee movies mm-hmm. and uh, and you know old like like. Uh, at a James like shit essentially from you know New York nineteen like fifties rad forties or whatever like crazy old tapes and there'd be all these you know music heads who were like who were wealthy enough to like have all the systems at the time going yeah. in and dealing with that sort of thing so he I think he properly moved here in eighty and he met my mom because he was trying to buy radio advertisement from her yes. uh, for the store and then do you know where the store was located uh, the first store was on Scott and Lombard Street. Which is now like a shoe biz okay. or something, but um, Scott. yeah, Scott okay. and Lombard, and uh, through that there was like you know the only again part of the people that would come in were comedians also because they had all the Lenny Bruce tapes as well I believe, mm. and so you know Slayton and Robin Williams and and Kevin Pollock and all those people were kind of in the in the scene of of party that was happening in 1980 at the mm-hmm. at the fucking at the fucking Nathan's Nathan's shop. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So I guess that, yeah. And and so he called up the radio station. Like, how did that? 
I and will like, to, to, get, to buy advertisement? Yeah. How did that I assume what as far as I understand is that I think that you had to go in for a meeting at that point. I mean, it was I mean, I don't really know, but I think that that's what happened. Yeah. So I think that's the only way he probably would have been become so one of the maybe. other or both of them was like, "Hello." He was. Uh, she he, was not down. Okay. <laughs> she was not very down. Um, yeah, but it, it somehow ended up happening eventually. Okay, so they got together around 80 or so? 80, 81, 82. And then um, some years went by. Where did they live? Uh, well, they moved. They were living in... My mom at the time, I think, was living in... Um, in uh, uh, across the bridge. Uh, Dog patch? No, across oh. the bridge in uh, Sausalito. There oh, you go. oh, that... Yeah, yeah. yeah. sorry. Yeah. Mystery, mystery land. Um, <laughs> and uh, my dad was living in the Marina District. Uh, and then... They moved in together in the marina, and then shortly after they moved to, uh, they're renting there, and then they moved and bought a condo in uh, Potrero Hill. Okay. When that was like a starting to be like a place where people were buying, I guess. Right. Um, uh, early gentrification, and um, sure. yeah, and then from there they, yeah, they kind of lived a handful of places. I believe they lived in Noe Valley, and I was when I was born, they lived in Glen Park. That's so. That's where you. Came yes, to so, Glen Park, and okay. then I grew up in the Sunset District. Okay, so yeah. do you have memories of Glen Park at all? I have some. Yeah, let's hear about it. I like Glen Park. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember going to the going to the park itself as a child. Yeah. Um, I also remember my my parents lived on Laidley Street, and so Laidley Street, uh, there was on the I guess the what is like the northwest side, so it was like kind of on the upper side of the hill. And there's a big, very steep staircase down to the down to the street, and from there you could see St. Mary's Park. And I've like I always remember like going out there. It was like it was a very s- small child that I remember it. Like I didn't really know what it was, you know, but it would always be this kind of bizarre looking green thing, you know. And I was, I was very fixated by the same the view of St. Mary's Park as a child. I like kind of thought, I, and I think as I got older, like I had an uncle who lived in in uh, Sacramento and they've like watched golf on television. I always assumed that it was like a big like like magical golf field. I didn't understand what golf was, you know, but right. but I like and how te- you know terrible it is. But the uh, <laughs> I was like I still don't know. I <laughs> yeah, no, still don't really understand it. But the uh, but yeah, just like the you know, very it looked like in my uh, you know, infant brain it looked like a like very kept grass or something. A lot of green. Yeah, which is you know, kind of exciting. Quick anecdote because I was on the Parks and Rec website today. We won't go into why, um, but I read something about a mandate several years ago that there be a park in San Francisco within ten minutes of any of any residences, like ten ten minutes of of walking distance. And I thought about it, and I was like, probably. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm sure I could. I feel like I could maybe find a way to make that not true. Not true. true. But um, I but, love that they're trying. No. I love that they that's a goal. That's yeah, like that's no. okay. Or is that a goal or is that a claim? Is the question. I'll have to go back and parse the language real fast. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, I mean it's like, wait, hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's actually probably true, likely. It's a great if it's yeah. a goal, it's a really admirable goal. Yeah, no, for real. And that forms one of your earliest memories? Earliest or? memories, yeah. That I also yeah. And not I, a golf course, by the way. No, it's definitely not Thank a golf you. course. Thank um, you, San Francisco. It's not a golf course. If you haven't been to St. Mary's Park, it's a beautiful park. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a lot of people don't go to the south side of town. 
um, right. which is uh, which is a hilarious thing in my it opinion, is. considering it's warmer and it's like nicer generally. Um, but the uh, but also at this point reminds me more of, of the place in which I grew up in. Um, right. But which you know it's a whole other conversation. But um, but yeah, it's a beautiful park. So um, so then you said the family, and was it just you and your parents? Did were there I, siblings? It was just me and my parents. My parents had uh, they had a daughter who passed away oh. before I was born, and oh, no. it pushed them to. Adopt me. Right, so I, right. um, I was raised an only child. Okay. Um, which was, uh, yeah, it was good, I think. It's all you know. <laughs> it's all I know, yeah, yeah. really. Yeah, I have my birth mother as a, has a, uh, has a son who's my half brother, and I, my bro- my father had a son who's my half brother as well. Okay. Who I met later on, but, you know, right. I was not raised with, right. with, with said siblings. Okay, so the three of you moved to the sunset. Do you want to talk about those? Those days. Those days. Um, Are you like? Is was this like your starting school ages or? Yeah, kind. Of, yeah, it was right around that period of time. Um, my parents, uh, they sent. They had enough money to send me to um, kind of hippie school. I guess as opposed to going into public school. Okay, which so one? I, uh, San Francisco school. Okay, I don't which know. Which is in the Excelsior one. district. Um, but at the time, it was basically it felt it felt like I mean I think looking back on it, it was like a commune. Um, okay. I have like farm animals and 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 Montessori stuff and mm-hmm. and pleasantries and stuff and. Um, uh, yeah, I don't really remember too much about the whole thing, but I do, uh, I do remember that everywhere else I went in town, even as I got older, like the thought that I went to this place was a very strange, <laughs> strange thing for people. They're like, really? You went to this fucking that place? <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, that was a joint. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, there was, there was some decency, de- like there's some decency to it that I think that has been lost. Over mm. over time in town, it's weird because I feel like a lot of the teachers there were they're are they're pretty like old, come two thousand even, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know it's like kind of this, the end of what I saw there. I think was maybe like the end of like some level of like hippiedom that it's right. not not like around anymore. Yeah, you know, uh, out of like something changed. Years ago. Yeah, it was like there was still a little bit like it was very like like first generation like you know like go back to the land but then we're going to come back to town and to the city and have, a, <laughs> and have like a hippie school right know? um uh yeah and they didn't teach any american history they only taught african and mexican history that was it awesome that was pretty cool um way they, ahead of their times uh yeah there was a lot of there was a lot of kids there that were like that that were um admitted for no like there was no like no payment from their families who were undocumented mm-hmm. and there was a lot of decency and care that was given to them i think at the time at least as i remember it uh, which is probably the, I mean, definitely the right thing to have done. But, um, but yeah, it's I don't know where that went. I think <laughs> is the school still around? It's still around. Yeah, okay. but like most places, I think in town that are that were educational, like private educational institutions, I think that's become more and more like catered to the families that live here today, as opposed right. to the people in 1995 or whatever. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah. So there, I'd assume, as far as I, I mean, even by the time I left, I mean, I graduated middle school in 2008, <laughs> mm-hmm. 2009, Nine. Oh, I'm was it sorry. A K, was it like a K through eight school? K through eight, yeah. Okay, okay. And what about? Um, did you have friends? What did, kind of things did y'all do in or out of school? Like, what what was life like? What was life like growing up in San Francisco um, up until eighth grade? Well, I uh, there was a uh, for me. I mean, I was I was always involved with. Uh, I mean, my I was put into choirs when I was a kid. So okay. Saying, and um, how, like how young do you think? Four years old. I Whoa. The choir. Okay. 
and uh, I was very serious about the choir. Mm-hmm. Um, and I continued with the choir, and I ended up uh, being having uh, through the choir being like you know uh, put into the opera and dealing with that sort of stuff, which was not dealing with it, but like being a part of it, which was a very great a great privilege. Um, but the uh, yeah. but wait, I, wait, where was the choir? What like... the San Francisco Boys Choir? Okay, you started with boys choir, and yeah. is there like a pipeline for some yes. of y'all <laughs> yeah. to be yeah. like, oh, now you can join the San Francisco there was, Opera? There was a system through, there was like several different levels of choir, and then there was like the highest choir was like singing with the, in the pit with the ballet, Ooh. and doing like tours around the round, like internationally and stuff, and nationally, and also um, singing in the, like people were, were taken out of there to do like ch- children's roles in, in TV and opera. movies and... Oh no, the opera! That's oh, all. in the opera! Got it! Yeah. Got it! So the gentleman who was running the opera was uh, was the head of the choir, I believe, for the opera. Itself. Okay, the, the person who's running the boys' choir. As well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, I was really really into it, mostly just because I felt like I I always liked music. I think intrinsically, um, and so I was always really hyped to be a part of that. Even though it was like I always just you know I saw the Beatles movie when I was like four years old or whatever, and I went. Which one? Uh, help or something, okay. you know, one of one of them, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I just wanted to be that, but you know, the choir worked okay, even though we we're singing like you know requiems and stuff. Right. Um, I was gonna but, actually you know. ask: Was there a lot of music at home from your parents? Like, where you feel like you're kind of there's always music. Yeah, I mean, I think that my dad in particular was always a really big music fan, um, and still is. Uh, my mom as well, but I think that my dad in particular was really stoked on on music um and also when he saw that i was excited about it he was like really down you know he was uh he and his buddies when he was in college in new york they um his friends ran the kind of entertainment commission or whatever where they would get acts from the film used to come and play at their oh, college wow. at stony brook that's where he went to, went wow. to school cool. and he started the ambulance corps to get the overdoses to the hospital oh um, because God. at the time during the vietnam war they wouldn't send uh they wouldn't send fire trucks into the into uh, uh you know, um, campus uh, colleges because of because they were they were like yeah fuck it we're not gonna get burned burned down anymore right um, and so they need to start they started the first ambulance corps because they had like Jimi Hendrix and these people coming and then kids would you know be taking dope or whatever and getting fucked yeah. up and they needed someone to, to bust into the hospital so my but anyway goodness. but my dad was but my dad has this funny story about that period of time where they his buddies would always get a guy from New, just Jewish kid from New Jersey to come and open for me Bruce Springsteen <laughs> so Bruce Springsteen would like open every show and then a couple years later they're like fucking Bruce Springsteen really did it dude what the hell it's killer oh my god <laughs> I want to meet your dad now he sounds awesome did he was he a musician as well or just no my my birth father was apparently but ah. um but my my father no no I played the clarinet I think um in the okay yeah, you know the klezmer band or something uh, right. <laughs> kind of like 13 for the bar mitzvah. sorry I'm still stuck on Bruce Springsteen um <laughs> Okay, so sorry, let, I, I I detoured us from um, all that stuff, and and so like up until you're thirteen, fourteen or so, you were doing stuff with the opera, the ballet. The I was doing, I was singing the choir until I was about twelve or thirteen. Okay, um, yeah, and that was like most of my time out of school was like doing that. That was yeah. like, too, I mean, that's because it just made me feel like I had some level of purpose, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I had never really liked school very much, you know, and. I mean, I certainly didn't like the chickens and the ducks shitting everywhere at baby school. <laughs> it really pissed me off. And, and you know, I, I yeah, I, I was starting to get kind of out. Like, it just I didn't feel right. You know, I wanted to do music. And 
and uh, through the through the choir and stuff is all very rigid and restricted. Like it felt like there was a system that I could like follow to get somewhere, and I did. You know, truly, um, it was funny though because I have a friend now who's like a male model, Raymond Porter, <laughs> and Raymond uh, Raymond was saying with me throughout the choir. We grew up together, and uh, Raymond's like now like seven foot tall and like a totally beautiful looking man um but he, he couldn't really sing very well at the time and he, i thought i could sing much better than him but he would always get my fucking roles you know because he's so uh. good so good looking you know um yeah and at that point i kind of was like i'm fucked you know i can't be doing this anymore i can't be like can't be like you know working for anybody else i don't think and all that talent wasted oh man you know uh, against fuck, good dude. looks against the, against the be- beautiful beautiful that looks of, my, of, of, of beautiful raymond yeah i mean but uh but yeah no that wasn't necessarily very formative, but I definitely, 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 <laughs> I'm me, not. definitely informed me later on. You know, I kind of yeah. think that at that point, it's like I, you know, I wanted to play rock and roll music and okay, took some money that I made and I bought an organ, a small organ. What age? I was 12. Okay, yeah, and I bought an organ and then I started playing organ. Uh, and I wanted teach to, yourself. I, I was taking piano lessons kind of from mm-hmm. this old dude who like didn't teach me too much but he would like tell me what he would like give me scores and shit right you know, like or not scores no fucking um like like chord charts for like Beatles songs you know oh. and so i just go and like play and sing them and and his he was his weird relaxed version of of, of education for me was uh was actually great i think it kind of taught me how to write songs because i didn't really like it's not like i had someone telling me how to play really right um yeah so i started writing tracks around then on your own organ Organ in your little, room, at home, kind of thing. Yeah, in my house. Yeah, when or if, and sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but like when did playing with other people even enter the picture? Is I had that, a, that way... yeah, it was like around the same time. I had a high school. Um, no, no, middle, oh, middle still school. middle school. Middle school. I Love had a friend. It. I had a friend whose family was like a little more wealthy than mine was, and he had a his family had like a great like you know his dad I guess was a music. I played guitar or something. They had all these like guitars everywhere and had like a guitar amplifier, which to me was like fucking insane. You know, yeah. I was like, dude, Rock and, like, star. A, and there's like electric guitar. Like I didn't even have, I didn't own a guitar at this point. You know, I was like, what's it? What is that? You know, mm-hmm. like a keyboard is enough, you know? Um, but the, uh, but yeah, they have this whole setup and a PA system and all the shit that you're seeing in here right now. Um, but the, um, but you know, I was, I was just bought a drum set. And so I was like, man, like I gotta hook up with this guy, dude. Like we gotta fucking hang out, you know? And, yeah. and we came buddies and, uh, started playing together and he was never, I don't think he was ever really that as interested in it as I was. Mm, like a bored um, rich kid. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to like talk all shit on him, but, but the, but, but, but yeah, I mean, like there was like a little bit of like, it just it just felt like I kind of I was I was stoked, and he just kind of was doing it for the, because he could, you know, mm-hmm. and I and I just was like, man, like all my, all my weird envy was in like the like, man, if I had that motherfucker, you know what I would be doing right now? Like I'd be fucking using it like every day, you know, right, <laughs> like, right. like please, like let me in. And so I uh, we started a joint, and I uh, had two friends that were also in the little band, and. Okay. We bullshitted a, a teacher, like a substitute teacher of ours. Mm-hmm. This guy named Peter Granquist, who was a drummer in a band called Guy Fox, which actually was like a real band. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we both, I like, yeah, we bullshitted Peter into recording us, and we recorded like a little, like EP, like live, 
um, when we were 13 years old, okay. uh, and I believe Fuck. stoned. Um, and uh, good, it's somewhere. I don't know where it is. Like on CD or it's so- definitely there's. I think we had a we had a MySpace page at the point at yeah, that you did. period of time, and it was yeah. I think it was right before the demise of MySpace. We were very late mm-hmm. um, developmentally <laughs> to MySpace, <laughs> but uh, you were 13. Yeah. Although anyway, yeah, it was like 2008. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Facebook thing was starting. Mm-hmm. But um but yeah, I don't know. Did we y'all have a name for your thing? Uh it was called we had like several working titles. We had Little Big Man. Little mm. Big Man. That was really small and <laughs> Jonah, my my buddy, was very tall. Okay. And we liked the Dustin Hoffman film, which is now extremely problematic, maybe. <laughs> um but uh so we uh, but but yeah. But also yeah, you pairing up maybe more successfully with a taller dude. Dude, I mean, dude, just, I learned this, you know. It just I keeps happening. I learned, yeah. <laughs> I learned, yeah. This time it worked out a little better, though. <laughs> no, maybe, yeah. But, yeah, no, not really. What, um, like, were y'all writing your own music or doing covers? I, I was writing most of the songs. Okay, yeah. shit. I wrote them all. So some adults might have been like, hey, me might have a prodigy on her hands or something. Like, they might have been like, well, no, these kids are 12. Or were they just like, oh, it's cute. No, I think they were like, these guys are smoking pot and we got a problem. You know, like, oh, I, think okay. like I think that was it. But they recorded you. Well, the, well, no, no. Pete, Peter Gringas must have been in his mid-20s. And, uh, and okay. he was like, my par- our parents were like in their 40s. My parents were like in their 50s. You know, like, right. I don't think any anyone in the educational realm was very excited about it. <laughs> the um, but uh, but yeah, no, I was able to bullshit. Yeah, Peter seemed really stoked. He was like, "This is good. it's cool to see kids who are stoked about music." You know, I the same way I feel now. If I like, I mean, you know, there's been a couple times where I've seen like kids who are like 14, 15 years old, like doing shit, and I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, like, fuck yeah, dude, like, awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, like keep like foster yeah, like, that shit, please, like, you know, that's a real deal, and that's uh, another uh, ear ear earmark for the. Fast Times present stuff, but, but yeah, um, yeah, there was like a, there's, there's certain people who cared, which were like generally the people we bullshitted. Um, and then there are all the people in our real lives at the period of time that were like, don't do that, please. Right. Was um, that how kind of your parents were, you think? Or? Yeah. I think my mom never really wanted me. My mom wanted me to be an actor at a point. Cause I had a, I was starting to act little bit and that seemed more clean to her or something okay. and i and i was and i was actually i was apparently quite good at it i don't really remember um if i was good or not but but i was told i was i had i potentially could have like gone into that and i think that she was always wanting me to do that as opposed to as as the as like the better of two evils <laughs> i think <laughs> i know which one you like more but did you like acting at all i did i just my my folks were never my folks were both working well like a lot when i was growing up and so i i never when i was doing a lot of the stuff i was doing they weren't like around and i was around and acting there was like a lot of stage parenting going on mm. and i know my parents were like stoked and supportive but you know they never were like involved like and in being like fucking crazy you know mm-hmm. and, and when i saw that shit i just helicoptering was like, i was like i'm fucking it. good off that like yeah. i was like i even at 13 12 years old i was like dude i can't fucking hang with that shit yeah. you know and to this day like you know i've i've i have a couple friends who like you know their their partners are act- actors or actresses and and um yeah, sometimes going out, it's like, bro, like, I, like, this is a lot for me. Like, I, like, I don't, I'm not sure if I can hang as as long as I would like to, you know. So um, music. Yeah, music seemed to be a, a little more egotistical, but like less dramatic. <laughs> I can see. Yeah. yeah. Um, so okay. Checking handle. So high school. High school. Yeah. T- tell us about it. High school. Um, so I got into uh, the urban school of San Francisco, mm-hmm. private school. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Yeah, I. Can you explain to folks who might not know what is like? Does the urban school have a philosophy, like, well, or, or is it just another? Yeah, what is it? So, I mean, private schools in San Francisco derive from uh, in the mid 1960s. They uh, started busing. The public school system started busing, and so black kids from um, uh, Hunters Point, Bayview. Uh, uh, you know, south side of town, started to be able to get into uh, private school or sorry, public schools that were on the north side of town that were uh, traditionally more white, um, and uh, they had always been segregated by neighborhoods. But but you know there was uh, you know then the hope for busing was that segregation would end and equal opportunity would happen, and uh, and suddenly um, all these private schools pop up out of nowhere yeah. uh, because you know rich white people don't want to segregate obviously mm-hmm. um, which is uh, still a problem to this day um, mm-hmm. but the uh, but anyway so that that's really the deri- the the beginning of like university high school and and urban um, and like I guess Drew School was like a some sort of like a a different kind of philosophy before that. I think it was for like kids that were had mental issues like hmm. like um, depression and stuff. I, I, okay. I don't really rec- know completely, but um, but I think it basically comes from the same same thing. Although they would claim it was around longer. Same with like Lick Bomberding. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but it's basically it's segregation. Um, and uh, urban was the version of that where it was like the the it was like supposed to be the hippie version of it. Okay. Where essentially there was like it was not in the early days as they as they would say there were like no grades for a long time. Mm. It's all like you know mushroom trips and 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 kind of like communal cr- classrooms and. And whatever, For, but, but foraging trips. Yeah, there's that. Uh, no, 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 no. Like taking mushrooms with your teachers and shit. Yeah. Like yeah, the yeah, that's what we're talking okay. about. Yeah, apparently. Uh, yeah. All sorts so of I, I, I needed clarification there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I yeah when I was growing up, we had friends. I had friends that like his parents went to Urban in those that period of time, and some of the stories were pretty outrageous. We're um, talking seventies. Uh, late sixties, early seventies. Late sixties, yeah. okay. Um, and there are certainly some teachers there that had yeah, been there. I, I want to go to that school. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, but but you know, I think that also, I mean, considering that all these people were like fairly wealthy, you know, they could like get into you know Princeton later, you know, like, like it didn't goes, matter. Yeah, no, right, whatever. Right, right. Um, but uh, by the time I got there, there was still like a little bit of that going on. But I think with like the Steve Jobs like world of the like big tech boom in the eighties, nineties, you know, like there had been kind of a change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was like computers at the school, and it was kind of a mixture of the hippie background and the and the computer thing. But that was all like bullshit, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. complete bullshit. And because uh, this is now the 2010s, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, when did I, you start and, high school? Uh, 2009. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, I think by the time I got there, it was all kind of like a gaze. Although that that sort of stuff was. You know, was was definitely still being kind of talked about, but in the reality of the school itself, it was it was not. It it was it was not very cool. <laughs> like it just wasn't very cool. Um, and I uh, I came from uh, I had friends that were much less fortunate than I were that were at that school that were kind of shuffled out really fast. Hmm. I was kind of in the in the medium of of like there was like extremely wealthy families that went that had their children go to that school. Mm-hmm. My my folks could afford to have me go there at the time, but they were like you know it was they were working hard. And my, to my mom, it was like if you get in the world of of wealthy people, then. You know, maybe that will help you in your life in a way that, like, I never had. You know, that sort of a thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Which actually, it certainly has. But the um, but <laughs> she was all wrong. Um, but Good. but at the same time, uh, it was it. You know, the the f- uh, feeling um, kind of excluded from a lot of that was certainly a 
thing I felt. And, you know, I'm a white dude, you know, who's straight, you know, like I like, you know, I, I don't like, you know, it's not like I, there's certainly a lot of people at that school that were feeling that much more than I was, but, yeah. um, but yeah, the, the gaze of, of, of the, the kind of like the, the, all the bullshit about it being some sort of, you know, progressive, progressive school was essentially kind of, you know, was within a, was only within some kind of understanding that I think was fairly limited and more and more in the fact that they were just trying to get more people to kind of allow them to do what they were doing. And I kind of, I'm, you know, maybe I'm, another goal more than a claim. I don't, I mean, I think maybe or, there was some of that, but I don't, I think from yes. some certain people that were teaching there, like yeah. they were like, Oh, if I can maybe get a, like, you know, teach a rational version of American history to this person who's like going to inherit a hundred, like, you know, a hundred million dollars mm-hmm. or more than that, right. you know, then maybe, maybe I'll be able to like create some change in the world. And that's very right. noble. I'd say, oh, yeah, but, yeah. but, um, but I think as an institution, I think it's a fucked up institution, Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. um, which, uh, of which I was an education of itself for me, you know, okay, and I think right. that at San Francisco, San Francisco is an amazing place to have grown up in mostly because it's so easy to be between if you're if you're positioned right it's very easy to be between different experiences of life within like you know I've a phone call or like two blocks or a you know like ride. I mean yeah. you know the you know that's it's incredible how small this place is and how it's much how silly. different people's experiences are here and i think that in in that way me going to private school was like a and for high school in this particular place was like a was like mind was like kind of a mind fuck you know and i think that it, I, in a way that was very formulative to me and i think has made me not believe in a lot of things to be honest okay um but um but i uh but at the same time I, it's been i like outside of the education side of it was not very helpful but that but the um experience of it i think has been very formulative for me That was Andrew St. James. On the next Storied San Francisco, Andrew continues the story of his life. Part two drops Thursday wherever you listen to podcasts. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me. Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have more than 160 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, please rate and review our show so we can reach even more folks. We love email. Drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay healthy, keep dreaming. And we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.